Welcome to Stop Telling and Start Listening with David Cook. If you're frustrated with the way we are speaking or not speaking to each other, if you find yourself easily at odds in your conversations with people, this may be just the show for you. Listen in as David and his guests will help you elevate your communication skills and navigate the tensions present in many conversations today. Now, here is David Cook. This is the typical of our week. Every week we start off with a Monday blessed with the opportunity to share powerful insights, lessons, and experiences regarding the impact great listening behaviors have on building trust, improving relationships, and solving complex problems. You know, we are wired for connection. The more connected we are to our community, to our fellow humans, to each other, however you want to do that, the greater value we have in each other's lives. One of the things that's just like sticks out for me right now today is that I believe most of our mental health and socioeconomic challenges, that's a mouthful, isn't it, are the byproduct of a disconnected society. Every day, more and more people are struggling to be heard, to be valued, understood, supported. And as a result, they are becoming more and more angry, hurt, frustrated. They feel devalued, ignored, judged, and even worse, dehumanized. We can build deeper connections by listening to learn from the experience and perspectives of others. But most importantly, we can learn the most from those who we understand the least. In the process, we can close the deep divide that's built on fear and mistrust to solve complex problems and solve the complex problems we battle with daily. Normally, this on this show, I have amazing conversations with individuals living their commitment to effective communication. And we discover how to listen, how listening influences them, influences them, wow, and others in their daily activities. You could tell that my mouth is getting ahead of me today. Today, we are making a little bit of a pivot. And instead of having a guest to interview, I have a co-host who will share the microphone with me, and we're going to engage in a learning conversation together. And if the name's familiar with you, it should be, because um, Allison Paradise was on episode six of this show. She was one of the early adopters as a guest. And we talked with Allison about listening and empowering children. And um, what that means is that Allison and her organization, the Epicenter, empowers children and young adults to reconnect with their authentic selves and their limitless potential by creating open spaces, free of judgment and full of mindful awareness. You know, Alice and I have had the pleasure of interacting several times now. Started with a breakfast over a year ago. She was on the show. We've had a couple of conversations. And then when I was in Detroit uh, a couple of weeks ago, we sat down with um, one of her um, coworkers and we uh, shared a, a wonderful Ethiopian lunch. It was very cool. So I was honored when I was talking to Allison about um, the things that I was experiencing on the show and some of the ideas that I had. She said, you know, if you ever want me to come on and help you out, I'm here. So you know what? Guess what? She is. Thanks, Allison, for being part of today's show. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm so excited. So what we were talking about was the fact that you have these amazing ideas and really useful perspectives that aren't being shared because nobody's asking you questions. So <laughs> that's really what we're here to do, right? Ask you questions. 
Well, this is true. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm hoping that that'll work. You know, the interesting thing about that, you know, thinking out loud, and you have talked about this, but the idea of the show is stop telling and start listening. And when I'm thinking, it's like, yeah, but when do I get to tell? <laughs> and so I'm, I feel a little bit like I might be um, a walking contradiction, but um, I would rather you and I have a, you, you ask me questions and we share ideas. Um, at least then we could stay true to the form of having a conversation that that um, provides education and insight as opposed to me going on a 50-minute monologue about something, <laughs> because that definitely would be a, a lot of telling. Um, so, um, you know, one of the things that, you know, and I gave Allison a heads up, but I'll just tell, tell the listeners here what we're going to do today is we're going to explore the topic of listening and beliefs. You know, every one of us has a set of beliefs, things we hold on to as truths, things that define our values and our behaviors and how we engage. Sometimes it defines who we don't engage or, you know, in this cancel culture, who we decide we don't have anything to do anymore because of our beliefs and 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 conflicting beliefs. But I'd like to talk a little bit today, share my perspectives, but of course, Allison, you're not going to get off the hook. You're still going to have to share too how we form our beliefs, how we respond to threats and challenges to them, and how do we engage with those who have a different set of beliefs or values which may differ from us, which obviously creates a lot of discomfort. And um, I think sometimes people feel threatened by um, conflicting beliefs. I see you nodding your head. You know what? What? Where are you at with that? Oh, well, th that's the last thing, but definitely that feels very present for me right now, given my current relocation to a different state and a different type of environment to be in. I feel like I'm up against that often. So I'm excited to talk about that more. Yeah. The, the yeah. What happens when, you're, when your values conflict with somebody else's and... Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I think, you know, um, for me, I, that is the biggest deal. It's... Um, you know, well, there's a couple things to that. First of all, is how we form our beliefs. Uh, one of the one of the books that I read um, uh, it was called *Sapiens*. I wish I could remember the name oh, of the. Yeah, you read That's that. A great book, phenomenal book. Yeah. Yeah, and I I dove into it. It really like you know I remember remember reading the book and in my head exploded about three times because like oh my gosh oh my gosh, but the <laughs> one the one thing that I got out of that book that was it was really just stuck with me was. If you don't under if you know like we, as as we're as we're evolving and developing you know um, sapiens so they, one of the things that they had their ability to communicate was the reason that they were able to advance through society as the author's premise and one of the things that the author said was just like you know mind blowing was there was things that people just accepted as so you know so you know like kind of gravity or sun or whatever fire but when they couldn't explain something. They created a story around it, what to to explain something that they couldn't understand. And then over time, the story became a belief. And the belief then over time, because they kept perpetuating the story, became a truth. And so I'm thinking like, gosh, how many things do we have in our society today that people hold on to as these massive beliefs to truths when it started out as just a story? Mm -hmm. You know, without necessarily confirming or affirming its fact or its accuracy, but we because we passionately drilled it into our culture, we drilled it into the next subsequent generations, the story became a belief, which became a truth, which became today so. 
and think like, oh my gosh, think of all the things that we accept as truth that aren't necessarily true, but we believe them to be true because of the way it was ingrained in us. There's so many. Example. Can you give an example? Well, I don't want to go too deep in this today because there's going to be a, I'm going to do an episode on it, but um, I will, I will pick on one that'll probably get a lot of people going. They can always call in, but um, it, it, it crafted my whole thing about um, God, <laughs> um, you know, cause I'm, I, I was raised in a very um, spiritual and, and very, you know, I say religious, not spiritual. Cause I think my parents bastardized uh, religion, but anyway, um, and I, and I grew up in that. So there was, it was a given, there was God. Okay. Mm-hmm. And in, in, in our denomination, our church, something would happen. Say, there's God, God's in the middle of it. God's here. God's there. And I'm thinking, you know, what I do believe is I do believe that there are things that cannot be explained. Okay. There is a force great at work greater than bigger than us, things that we just don't understand. But to say and said, well, that's God. No, mm-hmm. that's the unexplainable. But we're mm-hmm. going to label it as God because there's a story about how God, you know, the legend of God and the story of God and all the books of God. And, and at, at its core, God is faith. I believe it to be true. I trust it to be true because I was told it was true. And therefore, it's true because I'm, you know, in faith. I've been challenged by the way I was raised in my family, in my neighborhood, in my society to accept God as true. I'm thinking like, I don't know. Is God true? Have Has anybody seen God? Hmm. Um, does God show up and talk to us? No, God is this omnipotent thing that's kind of out there. And so I, I'm, I'm, you know, sitting there going, I'm questioning the truth of God or the belief in God as true because it's it hasn't been affirmed as true. It's some people just embrace it. They internalize it. Says, it is what it is. It's true. It has to be true. No, it mm-hmm. doesn't have to be true. It just is true because you've decided it. It's true. You decided that this is a belief I'm going to hang on. So that's the one easy example for me. I got a whole bunch, but that was my easiest one. That's a good one. I I like, as you're talking about it, how you make a distinction between a belief and what I'm going to call a knowing. So when you say there are things that can't be explained, it's not a belief that you believe things can't be explained. It's like, you know, because you have experience with things, it sounds like that can't be explained. So a belief is separate than a knowing. You know, mm-hmm. I know, a knowing is something you've experienced. A belief is something that you've been told and have mm-hmm. incorporated into your being. Um, that's a good one. Can I share one? Yeah, go please. Totally different. Uh, the first one that popped into my mind is very personal, which is that I believed that I was not athletic and clumsy for most of my life because that was what my mother always told me. She would say, be careful. You can't do that. You're going to fall. You're going to hurt yourself. You're going to this, you know, all these catastrophic things. So I believed for so many years that I just would fall down and break things. Mm -hmm. And I did. So my experience was kind of that was true until I realized, oh, this was something that somebody told me was true. (laughs) And maybe what, like, what would happen if I just let go of that and and actually tried to experience for real, am I really this clumsy? Am I not athletic? And it turned out to be false based mm-hmm. on experience. So I think I like this span. I didn't know you were going to go with God, but the first thing that came into my mind was <laughs> me being clumsy and falling down. And I just love that that's 
that's kind of representative of the expanse of what beliefs can do. They're mm-hmm. all the way from the, you know, the spiritual to the mundane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's, that's very true. And, and you know, you, we had this conversation last week about um, the stories that we were told and how we believe them, how they, how they, how they form, um, how we define ourselves, how they form, how we, how we interact, um, how actually in some cases, like you said, embrace the lie. Mm-hmm. Because you embrace the lie as a as a as a, as a truth, you believed it to be true because you didn't challenge it. Yeah. And then one day you challenged it and go, wait a minute, this may not be true anymore, yeah. or it may not be true at all. Depends, right? Mm-hmm. But um, and that's I think that that's the that's the the thing about beliefs that's really interesting is is that um, beliefs are very very powerful. And, you know, like we talked last week, I have some beliefs that, you know, the stories that I've been telling myself that I'm a screw up and I'm never going to be good enough because my parents always challenged me to be better. But also, too, I would act out and in acting out people in my parents would say, there you are being who you are, a cut up, uh, a, a, you know, goofball. Somebody's never going to ever be successful because you don't take things seriously because you don't. And it's like, yeah, well, so then what happens? I spend the rest of my life trying to figure out how to move past this thing that's true. How do I prove to people that I'm not a jerk? How do I prove to people that I'm not bad? How do I prove to people that I'm a good guy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then it, it it then influences all of our behavior. Yes. Everything we say to other people, how we respond to them, is all because of what we believe is true about ourselves being projected outward. So it makes conversations difficult. Mm-hmm. Really, because of that, I think, and our own lives difficult because it's hard to overcome those, especially when you've been told them since you were a kid. Right, and 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 in in, in most situations, told that as a kid, and then um, holding on to it, believing it, yeah. and then the other thing is looking for um, external reasons to not believe it. So if you don't get confirmed or you don't get affirmed or you, you know, don't get the kind of message that says, oh, no, that's not true. Then you're sitting there saying, yeah, nobody's telling me that it's not true. So it's, you know, I'm still, it must still be true. It must still Mm -hmm. be what it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's an amazing thing. I had, um, years ago, I had a woman, um, a coach talk to me and she said, said to me, Everything is perfect in your world when? That was her question. I said, I don't know where you're going with this question. Said, Everything's perfect in your world when? I said, I don't know when. Okay. She says, for example, when you're in control. I said, yeah, I love being in control. Right? And she says, what else? And I says, well, I love to win. Okay. So winning is one. Being The next two are more important to the beliefs, but being right and being good. So my my world was framed about being in control, winning, being right and being good. So that's what I would seek to to create in my environment because that's where I felt most comfortable because if I was in control and I was winning and I was you know felt right and I felt good about myself that you know then everything was perfect. But you think about what I'm doing is is that the people interface with me have to be willing to cede control. Yeah. They have to not worry about winning. In fact, in some respects except losing. They have to decide that, you know, it's okay to be a little bad or wrong. 
And so what I'm doing is I'm interfacing with people that aren't going to lift me up. They're actually the people that are you know, actually like getting out of my way and letting me do it. So I'm not, cha- I'm not even being challenged or I'm not being mm-hmm. um, influenced. What I'm doing is, is I'm surrounding myself with people that aren't really going to help me be better. They're just letting me be who I am in that context. Mm-hmm. And what I, would happen? Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. You had a question. Yeah. So what would happen then when you met somebody else who had that same set of beliefs about everything is perfect when they're in control, they're right. So how did that go? Oh, it was awful. (laughs) You know, it it was awful as a kid growing up and, and probably, I don't know, probably until about 15, 20 years ago. Um, And even then it's still, I still struggle with it. But the idea being is, is that I, you know, like when I was building my consulting business, um, the people that I couldn't do business with were CEOs who were control freaks. Mm. That they had to be right all the time. They always had to be had to be their way. It's like I can't work with these people because there's no middle ground. And it's like, and I felt like I was ceding things to them that then limited my effectiveness and my influence. And so I just sat not working with these people. Or like, you know, in my professional career, um, authoritarian type bosses, um, you know, were we we would do this, we would we'd be battling all the time because I was trying to, I was trying to be in control and I was like fighting to be right. And I was, you know, that kind of stuff. And it just, yeah. What, what was it? It was toxic to me. It was toxic to me because I couldn't take, I couldn't operate in the environment that I, that I felt like I needed to operate to be best, Mm -hmm. be at my best, you know? And, you know, the, the, I guess, well, you know, obviously it's more than, it was like 10 years ago when this woman shared this with me, it was a really powerful message because I'm thinking, wow. So, you know, show up in a space and allow yourself to be what the space calls for, as opposed to making sure it is what I think it needs to be for it to work for me. There's an entirely different piece. So now I show up in an environment and being in control isn't 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 important it's made but it is like i still sit there and find myself trying to press buttons but the idea being is if i see a path that i think we need to go is how do we get people how do we find a way in through our communication under discovery and our conversations to agree to an outcome so that we now can decide what we can talk about what path we want to take now i'm not really in control as like controlling everything what i'm is i'm taking responsibility for trying to be a tour guide to the outcome Mm-hmm. that's a little bit different, you know? And so I, you know, my, some of my beliefs around that have, have shifted. I don't need to be in control except, except if I have the remote, then I need to be in control. But <laughs> other than that, you know, I love that question. I'm going to borrow that. It's such a what, good question. My world question? is perfect when. Isn't that a great question? Yes. Yes. And it, you know, it was like, I had no idea where she was going with it. And then when she did that, I'm going like, wow, oh, that really resonates. And, like I said, it's been at least it been at least ten years. It might even be twelve, and that just stuck with me that conversation because it was so moving um, at, for me at the time. It was one of those you know mind blowing kind of experiences. Like, oh my gosh, that is so true. I need to win. I need to feel like I'm winning, and um, that goes back to the, the belief system, though. My you know my parents told me I was never going to amount to any but anything. I was a screw up. I'm never good enough, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So what am I doing? I'm trying to find ways to prove that not to be true. Yeah. And so I'm I create I create wins, I create outcomes that I, that I define to try to like lie to that, but that's not really healthy because I'm I'm trying to fight the lie, I'm not like changing the story. I'm trying to like yeah. prove to somebody that they could say to me, "Hey, yeah, Dave, you are a good guy." 
And then even when they say it, it doesn't mean anything to me because I don't believe it yet. They believe right. it, but it, I don't believe it because I'm still stuck in the story in my head. You know, so, but anyway, so yeah, beliefs, beliefs have a, have a tremendous amount of influence on us mm-hmm. in, in, in the context, in the context of beliefs, you know, back and back to the four part thing um, um, that, that was brought up is the good and bad piece and the right and wrong piece um, are killing us today. Mm-hmm. Because we're being, we're allowing ourselves to be judged, or at least we're realizing that as we judge, so others are judging us. <laughs> so we know that we're judging people, which means we're saying, yeah, look, I'm judging everybody in my neighborhood. Gosh, you know what? I wonder if they're judging me in the same way. Holy crap. They probably are. So now I got to make sure everything that I'm doing is is doesn't meet the scorn of their judgment that that meets their approval and their acceptance and stuff like that. So we start doing things to be right to them and to be good to them and good to others. And then that we get into the conflict of our beliefs because now what are we doing? We're actually compromising some of our beliefs, our value systems, the things that are good for us, the core values that we have created we can't stand on those because we're not confident that if we, people are judging us, we're not confident that it's right and it's good because people are questioning them. Mm-hmm. Or we get to the point where we defend them passionately and we don't hear what they're questioning. So we don't know how to articulate why we believe what we believe, how we've come to those beliefs and stuff like that, which is, you know, a big part of why we talk about listening is, um, when somebody says this is what they believe, when somebody says this is who I am, um, for me, that's not enough. My The underlying question is, great, how'd you get there? Mm-hmm. And, and sit in the space of how you got there because there's a journey associated with how things are formed in our head and in our, in our lives. There's a journey, and the journey is powerful insight. Mm-hmm. But when we are confronted with people that we don't understand, or when we're confronted with people who make us uncomfortable, or we're confronted with people who challenge who we are in terms of our beliefs, okay, it's a lot easier just to say, oh, I'm not dealing with this. Because we don't know how to articulate our story because we don't know how to um, encourage other people to share their stories. Mm-hmm. I think that's a that's a huge thing for me. You know, I don't know where you're at. You're looking at me kind of. You're you're thinking deep here. No, I'm just I'm listening. <laughs> you know, I, that that's the thing that drives me crazy about beliefs. You know, and that's why probably it was easy for me to pick on the God thing because that one's an easy one. But, um, you know, when when we form our beliefs, we need. I think we have a responsibility to ourselves and to others to understand how we get there. Mm-hmm. And the reason it's important for us to understand, you know, because, you know, like think about your, I, I don't know if you're, if you're, if your parents were like my parents is like, why do I have to? Cause I said so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So that was the answer to authority is authority has spoken, do what is you're told. And these are the rules. These are my rules. You're going to play the game by my rules. Don't question it. Don't challenge it. Don't anything. And it's like, okay, that's great. But at some point in time, we need to understand why those um, constructs were set up. 
why did my mom and dad have these rules? Why did the teachers have these? Why did the school have these rules? Because um, it's not just because. Because be, just because is a bullshit answer. Mm-hmm. Okay. And if it's just because, because they don't know, then shame on them. That begging the question says, let's research how we got here. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever heard the story of the company ham, the family ham. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this is a, you know, this is like a best visual example I can give to this thing where we accept something for what it is without understanding. So um, uh, this mom and her daughter were in the kitchen and the mom says to the daughter, says, I'm going to teach you to make the Christmas ham like grandma makes it. So the daughter goes, oh, this is cool. She, you know, I can't wait. Sorry, that was a little sexist. But anyway, um, the example is sexist. But um so the mom gets this, takes the ham out. She takes the pan out and she goes and takes a knife and she cuts off the last like two inches of the ham and puts it in the pan. And the daughter looks at her mom and says, mom, why'd you cut the, that piece of ham off? Oh, cause that's what, that's what grandma always did. And she goes, well, yeah, but why? You know, that's a good question. I don't know. So she called up grandma and she says, grandma, you know, how come you cut the piece of the ham off like that? You know, and she says, oh, because when we were first married, you know, we didn't have a big enough pan. And the only way the ham would fit in it was I had to cut the little <laughs> end off. Isn't that great? So uh-huh. what happened is we're, we're perpetuating a value, a belief, right? That yes. this is the way you cook a ham by cutting the end off of it. It had nothing to do with the ham. It had to do with the pan, the receptacle it was being cooked in. <laughs> And if we and if we don't go and ask how we got there, it'll just carry forward. That girl, that 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 girl who sat with her mom, if she just accepted the answers, okay, great. Can you see her twenty years later cutting uh-huh. the end off the ham for the family? Sure. Why do we do that? I don't because everybody's always done it. It's <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. And and I'm going like, gosh, really? How is that acceptable? Oh look, we're already working towards a break. Holy crap, we went fast. It's like, yeah, how did we how did we get there? So when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about um beliefs. I can't believe we we covered the first half of the show in a belief. Anyway, we're going to come back and we're going to talk about beliefs and how they influence us, but also to how we probe into learning from other people about beliefs and giving them space to share their stories without without being discomforted by them. Stay tuned. At facebook.com forward slash voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. We are living in a time where a relentless commitment to opinions and beliefs are dividing communities and fracturing crucial relationships. Making ourselves right and those who disagree with us wrong leaves little room for engaging in a constructive learning dialogue. There is little opportunity to change minds, find common ground, or solve complex problems. Those who are not being heard or understood become angry, hurt, lost, isolated, alone, and more. While mental health-related issues are on the rise, too few know how to safely share their struggles, and far too many don't know how to care about those that do. While it is increasingly frustrating to experience an increase in this communication divide, there is hope. And according to David Cook, there is an answer. The answer lies in how we adjust our communication style and shift our listening behaviors. In his radio show, Stop Telling and Start Listening, host David Cook introduces his audiences to the power found in creating 
a safe place for sharing life perspectives and experiences without judgment, criticism, correction, or shame. There are tremendous opportunities in learning to see the world from the eyes of another. Join David on Mondays at 11 Pacific. Discover how shifting your listening behaviors will close the divide that exists between you and others in your community. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You're listening to Stop Telling and Start Listening. Have a question for David or his guests? Join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Or you can email Dave at dave at thecookgroupllc.com. Now, back to the show with David. All right, we're back. I cannot believe that half hour went by so quick. But anyway, that's what happens when you have a great co-host. Thank you, Allison. Um, When we went to break, and we're going to transition now, but when we went to break, I think the foundation of what we talked about was um, beliefs are real. Um, we internalize them. They influence in, in many powerful, incredibly powerful ways. And how we come by them, it could be a variety of ways. It's culture, it's environment, it's uh, it's personal experiences, it's family. Um, however we got there, those beliefs really drive and define a lot of things. However, one of the things that I think that um, sometimes we do, you know, I know that I've done in the past is you just accept beliefs for what they are and not necessarily aware of their influences on you or how you got there. And as a result, sometimes we feel like we, you know, when we're confronted with a conflicting belief, we're told that, you know, let's just say, for example, using my God thing, if we're looking at religion, that's right, it's truth, it's absolutely, don't challenge it, don't question it, don't turn away from it, God will kill you, whatever it is. And you can't do those things. It's like, well, wait a minute, what if my belief is wrong? Or what if my belief needs some insight? What if it could shift and be different or better than it currently is? Well, the only way you can get there is to allow your belief to be what it is, but allow it to be um, some contrast to come to it. Um, whether it's whether it's a conflicting truth <laughs> or whether it's more insight or you're just simply curious enough that you're going to say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to head down this path and ask a lot of questions to see why somebody believes what they do to see where that takes me. Um, and I know, Allison, you said during break, you had some ideas, but I was going to quick share a quick story that I had. Um, of course, and I apologize for being on this God thing, really, but it's just like stuck with me. Actually, we could probably have a whole show on God someday, but um, it'll be a show on religiosity. But anyway, um, stay tuned. It's coming. But anyway, um, I went to a, I went to a, a spiritual school, a Christian school up in Grand Rapids. And we had a we had classes. They were always talking about Christian perspectives on learning, Christian perspectives, and what they always said was, you know, obviously we're going to, you know, we're going to look at the, we're going to be educated through the eyes and the spirit and the intent of God, and stuff like that. And I just always felt like there were times where there were certain subjects and certain topics and certain alternative viewpoints that that they might have danced towards but they never delved into and the reason they didn't was there was ab- there was something wrong with being curious to the point where it would challenge your faith or your belief you could feel people shy away from that it's like no we, mm-hmm. we we've gone as far as we can go i can't go any further because if i look at this 
and open my heart and my mind to something that might be contradictory to my belief, I can't do that because my belief in this is so strong. And as a result, what it did was, and, and to me, from my perspective in that thing, and, and I got a good education, but I didn't get a great education because I don't think that we were taught how to explore controversy. Mm-hmm. We, were explore, we were taught how to explore being safe in our curiosity. Oh, that's well said. I think that's pretty standard, though, for most education systems. Yeah. To be honest, like regardless of I, I went to a public school, but I also think that in that space, certain things were allowed and certain things were not spoken about. And actually, it just occurred to me that I think one of the reasons I became better at being able to listen to people who had differing beliefs was through debate. Mm-hmm. So I did debate in high school and we had to debate both sides of every issue. And when you, and I did that through college. So when you really spend years, they would take these very controversial issues and it didn't matter where your set of beliefs were on that, on that issue, you had to effectively make a case for both sides. And once you go through that exercise enough times, you start to see, oh, actually (laughs) there are reasons why people have this perspective. And then you start to realize that it's just, it's a perspective. This right or wrong thing is a very interesting belief that I think we get uh, inoculated with at a very young age. And then through school, because everything is graded and there's a right answer for so many things, we lose sight of the fact that actually, I mean, right and wrong, mm, kind of flexible, good or Mm -hmm. bad, kind of based on your perspective they're not real absolutes they're they're flexible based on where you're standing mm-hmm. i mean in I those that, cases i think right? that's very that's very true um and i think that that's i think that's the challenge is that we've been we've been um indoctrinated with right and wrong and good and bad mm-hmm. and you know one of my my criticisms of the education system is when you think about it um you know, when, what we learn at a very early age is that there's only one right answer. Yeah. And the person in authority is the one who has it. Yes. So when you're when you're in the classroom and you're working with a teacher and she says, okay, two plus two is four. Well, could it be something else? No, it can't be anything else. Okay. Now that's an absolute. And we did stun math. But then when you think about stuff like that, there's absolutes. There's absolute truth. There's absolute belief. There's mm-hmm. absolute right. And the one, and if you don't do it the way the teacher wants you to do it, or you don't have the answer the way the teacher has defined it to be, then you didn't do it right. Yes. In fact, you were wrong. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it's like, isn't there more than one path to some of the answers in life? And I yeah. believe, yes, there is. Maybe, maybe when it comes to math and engineering and some science stuff, okay, I get it. But when it comes to the soft skills, mm-hmm. Um, politics and religion and interpersonal skills and all that other stuff. Yeah, you know, there's a million paths to an outcome. Yeah, same with science. I mean, that was something I was up against all the time in science. There was a way of thinking about things, but that's only because that's the way people would think about them for the last hundred years. But it's not the only way to see things. Yet the there are so many times when you know we work with kids. When I'll ask them questions, well, and I don't know the answer, 
So I don't remember the last one, but I think I asked one of the kids we were we were with outside what flowers something was. And they looked at me blankly and they're like, I don't know. And I said, oh, they're like, don't you know? And I said, no, that's why I asked the question. I don't know. Yeah. And it they just looked at me wide-eyed as if, wait, we can ask questions we don't know the answers to and we can explore. So then I started asking, well, what does it look like? What does it smell like? What does it feel like? Maybe we can come up with some something about it, an experience about it. We can name it whatever we want or on our own. Uh, and that just that process can be so liberating. And we don't do that enough with kids. Mm-hmm. And we certainly don't do that enough with ourselves as adults. Give mm-hmm. us permission, ourselves permission to just say, you know what? Maybe there's another way of seeing this. Mm-hmm. And it can be fun. It's actually mm-hmm. really fun to hear what other people have to say about something and to not need to be right. It's exhausting to need to be right all the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When when I first um when and when we first moved our family out to New Jersey a million years ago, probably I'd say family was my wife, my son, and I at the time. But we moved out to New Jersey. My wife was from New Jersey, but she's got zero sense of direction. Zero sense of direction. <laughs> and she's lived there her whole life. So every Sunday afternoon when we first moved to New Jersey, and so let's go for a ride. Where are we going? We're gonna go get lost. Nice. And my wife would panic. Because first of all, she has no sense of direction and she knows that in her mind, she should be able to find her way around, but because she knows she can't, she's worried what happens when we get, we do get lost. And me, I never worried about getting lost because what I was doing was I was discovering where, how everything connected. Uh huh. So there was no right or wrong. We were going for a ride to see where it took us as opposed to a ride that had a defined outcome. Mm-hmm. And as a result, um, I remember my youngest son saying to me years and years later, so dad, you have a map in your head. And the only reason he asked me that was because I, you, I can't get lost. I know how the streets all connect. You take me to a city once and I figure out how everything's connected. Now, thank goodness I have a gift of uh, sense of direction. But the other piece is that I have a gift of paying attention to what I'm learning. Mm-hmm. And so it looked like I know where I am even when I have no clue, because I know eventually I'll find a way. And that's the curiosity that comes. But if you have a belief says, I can't, you know, I can't go anywhere without a map. I can't go anywhere without directions. Yeah. Right. I'm not capable of finding my way without help. Mm-hmm. Okay. What that does is that restricts where, how you get in the car and drive. Yep. It restricts how you take on adventure. And it's the same thing with any other belief that we have. But we say that I have a narrow set. I say narrow, that's judgmental, I'm sorry. But I have a set of beliefs, and these become my core. And I rely on these and lean on these, and they drive and define everything that I do. Okay, great. That works perfectly until you are are encouraged to look at something differently Mm -hmm. or allow something different to come in asking to be explored and discovered, like you do with the flower, did with the flowers of the kids. It's like, oh, my gosh, how do I do this? Well, good question. Haven't you done this before? No, I always played by the (laughs) rules. Yeah. Yeah. I've always done things this way in this arena because I always cut the ham off at the end (laughs) because that's what I was told. And, you know, so, you know, in in society today, I think that that's the big thing is, is that we're, you know, United States is, is as diverse as it's ever been. 
and more and more influences are coming in, whether it's uh, religion or um, ethnicities or, um, uh, you know, the whole sexuality discussion and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. We're exposed to a whole bunch of different ideas that make us uncomfortable. Okay. Discomfort isn't bad. No, it's where you grow. Unless, unless you don't like, unless you don't like being in discomfort. (laughs) (laughs) I think that nobody likes it, but that's how you grow. No, but I will see that's how you grow. But imagine if that's, if, if that's how you've lived your life in this tight confine of what I believe, you know, we live in a, you know, and again, I, you know, for me, um, this is probably another inflammatory comment. I apologize to people are, but you know, I grew up, I grew up, look at it. I'm, you guys can't see me cause I have a, I'm on radio, but I'm white. I'm a male. I'm in my sixties. I went to a very affluent um, school in college. I went to a very affluent area in high in, in elementary in school and stuff like that. My perspective, my view of the world is limited Mm-hmm. In many respects, to that I was protected. Sure, you know, I did. I can tell stories and things that I've ventured out and places I've gone that have taught me things. But for the most part, I lived in a pretty until I was in my twenties. I lived in a pretty good cocoon. Mm-hmm. And if we perpetuate that cocoon, say that's how I'm going to raise my kids, and that's yeah. how my kids are going to raise their kids. What we've done is we create these cocoons that um, they're not necessarily bad, but we have to recognize that we've we've grown up in this cocoon and if we want to see what else is out there we're going to have to look beyond the cocoon and get really uncomfortable. Yes. Yes. Completely agreed. I was mentioning during the break that the move here has done that I think for me quite a bit. I was living in California which is its own cocoon and I lived there for about 15 years. And then I recently moved to West Michigan, which is a totally different space with a completely different set of beliefs. I mean, couldn't be more diametrically opposed, I feel like. And it's been fascinating. Uh, I love talking to people about what it is that they believe in here. Mm -hmm. It's very different than what I'm used to. It's different than what I would say I had held on to as my set of beliefs. And I love the experience of having these conversations and just watching myself like, oh, I'm feeling really agitated as they start to say this. Huh, that's interesting. I should really explore this because for me, anytime I start to get agitated or defensive, it means, oh, that's something that's stuck because mm-hmm. nothing should be aggravating about what somebody else thinks about the world. That's a really, again, that makes no sense really to me. Like, um, So... I can give a concrete example. Would you like a con- or is it? Yes. Yeah. No. Okay. So I'll give a concrete example of something. I'll, so this is a very controversial topic because of where we live. I went for a walk with a woman who's extremely religious uh, and very much in that space of, I don't really know what it would be defined as, but whatever that that new Republican space is. I don't follow politics enough, so but whatever that is. And I'm coming from California, so you can just import whatever stereotype you have about California. I'm sure it applies good enough. <laughs> so we're having this conversation, and she starts talking about how TikTok is influencing men to dress like women and is causing this whole trans movement. 
And I'd never heard that before. I thought, wow, that's that's super interesting. I wouldn't have guessed that from my experience. So tell me more. You know, so I'm mm-hmm. asking her all these questions about like, what are you talking, basically like, what are you talking about? But really, what is this? So fascinating. And yeah, she keeps going on and on about how this is, that it's like the Chinese government that's influencing people to um, to give up their gender and, or to, yeah, to choose a different gender or whatever it is. Um and that's not something that a perspective, let's say, that I'd ever entertained before. And so then we had this really interesting conversation where I said to her, oh, so I just started asking questions like, have you ever met a little kid who feels like they like to dress in clothes that are not assigned to their gender? And have you ever met somebody who's gone through this experience and talk to them before and like what was that like and if you haven't would you like to hear a story about someone I know like this and so what's been really interesting with her in particular is she's quite open so we can have these kinds of conversations other people I start asking them these questions and um I've been called the devil so that's been fun yeah um yeah uh, I've been told I'm like an agent of Satan and this is me asking a question it's not me saying anything about what I think or whatever because i don't i don't know maybe the chinese government is trying to influence people to wear different clothes or whatever it seems like a really interesting choice for a government but i don't know you know (laughs) somebody in that government doesn't have something better to do i guess not (laughs) sure you know yeah anyway so i find this all very fascinating because people get really angry and it's interesting to sit in a space of just like not being angry and just going, oh, that's so interesting that you would think that. And just try to see, well, where does it come from? And are you open to hearing something else? Right. Yeah. But that goes back to the whole idea that we get married. There's there's something wrong about exploring that. There's something yes. bad about exploring. So the fact that you're asking me to explore it, that means that you're coming from the dark side. Yeah, basically. You're coming from a place of evil to interrupt something that's noble, good, right, correct. Mm-hmm. And all you're really doing is uh, saying, "Would can we talk about this? Explore the depth of this situation for what it is, and understand people's you know people's stories, which is what you asked, right? Somebody who's yeah. had those thoughts, or somebody who you know lived that life, lived a lifestyle that was in that in how they got there. That's 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 that not asking them to accept their beliefs." But it is giving them a space to share their beliefs. Yeah. Which I think is the gift. Because once you understand why somebody believes what they believe and how it influences their life choices and decisions, at least you can communicate them on a level that says, I understand your you in your story. I don't understand your belief, mm-hmm. right? In terms of the context of my beliefs. But at least now I am in a place where we have some sort of under mutual understanding of who we are, how we are, and how we can interface in that. We'll call it the conflict. Yeah. But if we don't go there, then all we have is a conflict, but we have no idea what it is. We just have a conflict. I've decided, Allison, that because you brought that shit up, you're evil. Right. So now I have to evaluate my relationship with you because you're this crazy woman of Satan um, asking, you know, really weird questions about things that I don't really know I feel good talking about. And then so it's like, good, change the channel. No Allison in my life. Mm-hmm. 
And so I get to put you in that list of people that I've othered. <laughs> yeah. And how is that helpful to anybody? It just isn't. It isn't. And it, it doesn't further, because it doesn't further our understanding of humanity. It doesn't further our, our common desire to really support each other, which I think is true. I mean, I think that's true of everybody I knew in California. It's certainly true of everybody I know here in West Michigan. There's absolutely this undercurrent of community and wanting to support each other. You just can't get there if you're unwilling to to just listen and accept that people have different perspectives based on their experience. And isn't that fascinating? Honestly, where the stories come from, how they come into our minds, how they become our behaviors, how they influence our choices. To me, all of that is so fascinating. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know. Maybe that's a, there you go. There's a belief that I have a hard time with because if people are like, I'm a, I couldn't care less about that. I think I have a really hard time understanding how not. Mm-hmm. Well, but that's, um, that, that speaks to your personality though. And your, your value system, you're naturally curious. You're, you're in this, just like what you're doing with, you know, the children that you're working with, you're empowering them, you're empowering them to discover their stories and, and share their truth and all that stuff. So that's obviously that's your passion. You're in that space. And so you don't understand how people can sit off in a corner going, no, I'm not going there. It's like, really? Why not? What's the, what's the harm? Nobody's asking you to, ch- I'm not asking you to change your mind. Mm-hmm. I'm not asking you to, to admit, you know, to agree that I might be right. I'm not doing any of that stuff. All I'm doing is, is it, can I, can we engage in a conversation where we share and learn from each other? Yeah. De- and the answer is, well, it depends on the subject. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Especially now, but it shouldn't. Right. In fact, now more than ever, it yes. shouldn't. Yes. Because that's what's happening is, is we're creating, you know, these these walls. And as a result of these walls and the diversity of, of everything that's coming in, the more we build these walls, the harder it is for us to flow through and connect with each other. Mm-hmm. And then we wonder why we're fighting. Well, we're fighting because we're we're fighting over fighting. <laughs> In yeah. some respects, we're not yeah. even firing over the subject. We're fighting over whether we can talk about the subject or not. <laughs> Gosh, it's a meta fight. Yeah, right, right. It's just like, oh my god, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a. And then the other the other thing that comes from that is, and I think this is you know for me this is a theory, but I think it's um, we're talking about being willing, you know, being curious, being willing to have a conversation in an area that we don't understand about a belief or the value system that we can't get our head around. But I think that there's a fear that if we give that audience a voice, we're somehow approving of it. Mm. Oh, that's interesting. I hadn't considered that. Okay. And if I, you know, for, you know, use another, you know, hot button subject, but you know, the whole, the whole gay rights movement, gay, you know, LG, whatever, BQ, whatever it is, you know, lettuce, bacon, lettuce, and tomato. But uh, anyway, that whole thing is, is that if I sit in the space and allow you to talk to me about who you are and what you believe and why you believe and how it influences your life, if I sit in that space and talk to somebody who identifies as gay, that I'm approving it. I'm not approving of it. What I'm doing is I'm giving you a space to help me understand you better. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's a big difference between learning and approving. I didn't ask, I'm not approving of it. 
but I'm curious. I, you know, I'm not going to embrace the lifestyle. It's not my thing. It's not my vibe, but I'm certainly am curious how somebody arrives at a situation where in their life, they're doing what they're doing, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. It's not approval. It's, it's curiosity. And we get, we get you know, really confused with that. Yeah, you're right. We do. If you take it outside of the context of beliefs and just think about the curiosity out in the world, it, for example, I'm just trying to think like what you're describing is sort of like, it's not approving if I'm testing to see, oh, is this hot? I'm not going, mm-hmm. oh, I like getting burned. I'm just saying, I wonder what this feels like. I wonder what this tastes like. I wonder what this is. Mm-hmm. That's what curiosity is. It's just a complete openness to, I wonder what this is, what's around this corner. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very different mindset. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So believe it or not, we ran to the end of the show. Oh, we killed, okay. we killed, we killed an hour and like what seemed like 15 minutes, but anyway, um, so the, just to wrap up is I think that the biggest thing about beliefs is we've got to recognize that everybody has them. Mm-hmm. They they come to us. They're formed in a variety of interesting, you know, ways. And I think the greatest gift that we can give to anybody that we're interfacing with, kind of like you doing the walk with the with the spiritual woman in 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 West Michigan, is give them the space to share their story. Give them the space to learn for them to share their story, so you can learn better how they arrived at where they are and how they arrived at who they are. Because mm-hmm. when you do that, what you've done is you've enhanced the potential for connection. That doesn't mean you're going to be best friends. doesn't mean that you're going to sit there and you know sing kumbaya. It doesn't mean you're going to try to change their mind or their change yours. doesn't mean that you're trying to corrupt them or them corrupt you. What it does is you're just giving yourself, you're giving others the space to be who they are and share how they got there so you can understand. And whatever insights come from that can be gifts, provided you're willing to listen to it and hear it and internalize the message. It's kind of... Where I'm at today with this whole thing on belief, I have a feeling we're going to have another conversation. But, you know, as as we run out of time, Allison, you are the best. Thank you so much for joining me and helping me talk through this. Thank you. This is so much fun. Thank you so much for having me. Well, that's good. We'll do this again. But for everybody else, um, remember, as you go into this week is open your heart, open your ears, open your mind and just listen, because once you start listening, everything changes. This is Dave Cook. Have a great week, everybody. 